Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, America. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much. For joining us, we got uh, a terrific segment coming up with uh, my old friend, Pat Wood. And uh, I love to tell this story. And it's been a while since we've had Pat on, but I discovered Pat all around 1980, and I was a young professional and didn't know how bad our government was becoming. And he and the lady, Anthony Sutton, co-authored a book called Trilaterals Over Washington. I'm telling you, the book really changed my life. It uh, and actually led to some pretty profound discussions I had with my father, who was a naval intelligence officer who opened up and told me everything he did for two years before he passed. And this book was really kind of the impact test for that discussion so um but pat hasn't stopped there he's gone through the years and uh has really done a great job on uh, the topic that we most often refer to today as technocracy and uh, we're going to explore technocracy in its relationship i almost think i should say intertwining with the uh, great reset and i see nothing great about the reset let's call it the satanic reset i think that's actually more accurate but uh we're going to be uh delving into that today but before we do we got to take care of just a little bit of business here ladies and gentlemen and that's because we uh got to support the program but also the program has to support you Right now, Janet Yellen, this is in the news, and I've done a podcast on this this morning. Janet Yellen is announcing an IMF, uh, World Economic Forum, UN, World Health Organization conglomeration meeting about extreme famine coming to the planet. And I would say, you mean, Janet, the extreme famine that your people have planned for? Would that be the famine you're talking about? So you really need to take the steps to step out of the way. And what I mean by that is this, is that if you don't have significant storable food, I couldn't even give you an amount, okay, two years and seeds. But if you don't have that, you're going to be victim to whatever the government wants to feed you, bugs, aquatics, whatever (laughs) they, they deem necessary, fake lab meat. You need storable food. Now, MPS, my Patriot Supply, 25-year shelf life, 2,000 calories. You can live on this. Um, is it gourmet? No. Is it is it decent? Yes, it's more than decent. And I've tasted it. I've uh, t- tested it on many occasions. And I thought, well, I can live on this. Uh, is it low in calorie? Heck no, because you need calories when you're eating survival food. Think about it, people. That's why you're eating it. So go to preparewithdave.com. They have held the line on supply, they're delivering on time, and they have not increased price. 
and they still have sales available in the one, three, and 12 month packages. And I really have to stress to you that the day to get this is probably running out. I don't know if hyperinflation with a dollar will take it out, but you really need to look at this. Now, on a related feature, people said, Dave, will you let us know when the water filters back in, the Alexa Pure Pro water filter, because if Putin takes the grid down, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I get that. Well, I have good news. I complained to someone who serves as my agent on YouTube. And I said, well, what is it? Why can't they keep stuff in supply? Oh, it's China. It's this. It's that. Okay. And then I got a phone call and said, Dave, I brought your concern to them. And they, they, they share your concern. And they said that they have some in the supply chain, but not a lot. But you get to sell it exclusively while it still lasts. So you're talking to the lone vendor for the Alexa Pure Pro water filter. And I'm happy to tell you they've not increased price. All right. So. Food is preparewithdave.com. Water is waterwithdave.com. And then finally, our last ad, and this will be good for the entire show, is uh, Noble Gold. I just closed a deal with Noble Gold, and man, was my timing good. Uh, gold, silver, and other kinds of investments bleeding off of that, because I the, the worst you can do right now is keep your money in cash. You need operating capital in the bank, and you need to diversify, diversify, diversify. So what I'm telling people to do is to call Noble Gold. They're the best to work with. I went from advertiser to customer for a very good reason. This is my fourth adjustment with them, and they are easy to deal with, and they will not push. They will just educate. And I just mean educate. You have to close deals. So you can do it one of two ways. If you want them to send material, go to goldbeforelate.com, goldbeforelate.com. Or if you want to call and get direct results today, Call them at 877-646-5347, 877-646-5347. And that ad right here really ties into what where Pat and I are going to go. There are very bad, satanic, motivated people who want to take everything from you, eventually even your life. Pat, welcome to the show, my friend. Um, we are really living in the fulfillment of what you've been talking about the last several years. It does really appear that way, and more and more people are waking up to it in, in the right context. This is a good thing. Of course, many people are are feeling the pain, but they don't know where the pain is coming from. Sure. And at this point, we exist to tell them the correct story to get the right angle on it so that they might be able to do something to push back in the end. Everything you have said about technocracy has come into play and um except one thing i want to bring you corrected me one day and i took that and i go okay i gotta go investigate what pat told me and you said it's not communist it's not fascist it's not socialist technocracy is its own system i see the logic in that but pat i also see what the world economic forum is doing is big time fascism the marriage of government and business and the centralization of control has communist features to it. Can, can you address that a little bit? Oh, I, I sure can. <clears throat> and I, I agree that there's, it is kind of confusing to look at it on, on the surface of it. And I, I admit that. But back in the 1930s, when, when the technocrats defined what technocracy was, they had a magazine called The Technocrat, appropriately. And in 1938, when they, when they declared that technocracy was the science of social engineering wrapped around this economic system to control all resources and distribution, 
they went on in the same story, and this is actually just a couple of paragraphs later, and they said there will be no place for politics, politicians, finance, financiers, rackets, or racketeers. It says technocracy will distribute by means of a certificate of distribution available to every citizen from birth to death. Now, what this means is that they had no use for politics, politicians, finance, or financiers. This is this was their mindset back then. And the reason they had that was because they felt that their science was so correct, was so good, and that they were so, you know, prone to do everything right in the future, that you did not need to have a political system to express your views or to your policies or whatever. We just, hey, we're right. You just do what we say and everything will be good. Like Anthony Fauci standing up behind every president for the last 20 years and saying science says, and then here, this is what you do. Like Simon says, science says this, you should just go do that. Well, can we have a discussion about that, Dr. Fauci? No, the science is settled. We have decided that science is settled and you should just do what we tell you to do. No political discussion whatsoever. This is the heartbeat of technocracy, is to remove the governmental structures of the world entirely over time. And if not in name as well, in function and in sovereignty, yes. Mm -hmm. You see it in the European Union, for instance. The national governments that are still there are virtually completely impotent for anything substantive. They, they can you know decide, well... We're going to have the flag that's going to be red, white, and blue or whatever. But that's about all they can do in the EU now. They have lost their sovereignty. And this has happened around the world. And technocrats are bent on destroying the national structures of the world. So they don't want to use government as the means of distribution of this tyranny policy. They want to do it directly. They would get rid of all governments if they could today and just implement technocracy directly. It'd be a total scientific dictatorship across the world. From your description, there is an element of communism, and this is coming from uh, someone who's one of his undergraduate degrees Mm -hmm. was uh, in Mm -hmm. sociology. In the final stage of communism, Karl Marx said, everything will be so equal, so wonderful, we won't need government. And so that dissolution of government is one common feature that I see here. But they're not relinquishing government control. I think they're assuming it, aren't they? Well, you remember the uh, in Dubai just recently, there was the, uh, the global government uh, summit, whatever it was called, um, where some monetary policy uh, new stuff was released uh, there. They talk at the same time, and this is all the mucky mucks of the world went to this conference in, in Dubai. <clears throat> they, they talk about degrading the sovereignty of nations. That is, um, I think we call it uh, the, the disambiguation of sovereignty. And this is a policy that they have set. And for, for now, the governments of the world are the useful idiots to these technocrats. Just like in the Bolshevik Revolution, you well have the useful put. idiots as well. Very, very well put. These are the these are useful idiots. They don't realize they'll be the first to be thrown under the bus when technocracy ultimately takes over. But um, there has been this antipathy between uh, government and technocrats going back a long ways, and even back in the 1930s. And we see it today. You know, you look at big tech. How many times have big tech been drugged into Washington D.C. to get spanked by the Senate? I think it's all I mean, for show. 
This is, well, yeah, you know, they go in, they get owned. beat, they get beat up in the Senate, and they go out with their tails between the oh, we're sorry, Senator, we well, this is an oversight, we're never going to do it again, and they walk out the door with a smile on their face, and they go out and do it six times worse, and they get called back in another twelve months. Oh, so we're sorry, Senator, we'll never do it again. <laughs> we'll change our ways, and they never do. This shows you what impunity these people have for our government. And this is the same way all around the world. They're doing the same thing. So, you know, even Elon Musk, you know, the savior of the world right now for free speech, Elon Musk hates the SEC and by and large hates the government. And he's trolling the government. He's trolling the Securities and Exchange Commission right now with this Twitter thing going private. The SEC is going mad and... Uh, uh, Musk has just reignited his long-term dispute with the SEC over them trying to get him to do what they wanted to do. He says, I'm not going to do that. And he never has yet, basically. And he just thumbs his nose at these people. Is that he has fun playing with them and, you know, humiliating them. And he's doing it again with Twitter. It's amazing to watch, but it just points out the antipathy that people like uh, Musk have for governmental structures they they look at them as a bunch of idiots as a bunch of buffoons they don't understand technology they don't understand the future of the world yada 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 this is what they said back in the 1930s by the way and the reason it was so popular in the 1930s is like today we also say the government is really the source of our you know they're screwed up they're buffoons they're idiots they don't understand anything so there's a lot of angst against the government in public sentiment right now too but the technocrats have taken it to be a different type of a, at a different level. The, these people really do hate the government, and they would destroy it in a heartbeat if they could. The one thing, though, that I would uh, interject on this is uh, Musk has one good point. He is going to destroy Twitter in its present form. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying it's going away, it's mm-hmm. going to modify. He exposed yesterday that of the entire board on Twitter, their purpose is just to maintain, you know, silent running, your voice will not be heard. Yeah. Collectively, they only own 77 shares between the board members. <laughs> I know. It, it, did you know that? I did. I saw that story, and I just, you know, you just chuckle. You say, yeah, that figures. Yeah, um, and, and, and what's going to happen is there's going to be a rebellion within the ranks of Twitter, they're going to get rid of these board members because they're going, well, you know, their policies are fine, but I'm here to make money, and they're not engaged in sharing that goal with me. That's exactly right. And I, th- I think the shareholders will ultimately probably, uh, you know, uh, rebel against the whole idea that Twitter has become in, in recent days. Well, I like it because uh, even if Twitter doesn't become a free speech platform, it's going to drive people to the existing free speech platforms in greater numbers. Yes, it will. It will. And it'll drive some of the employees away from uh, Twitter. I don't know where they're going to get a job, but it's going to drive them away. They're going to throw up their hands. Some of them already left, actually. So we're not going to have anything to do with a guy like, like Musk. Yeah, we can't yeah. have free speech. God forbid. Yeah. But on the other hand, Musk has never defined what he means by free speech. That That is still very disturbing, actually. But, you know, the, the conservative right has really picked up on this. It kind of is a trigger phrase to the to the right. You know, wow, free speech. Yeah. Well, I know what I think free speech is, but what do you think free speech is? is Maybe two different uh, things. Is Musk, in your mind, is, is he one of them? Absolutely. He's He's the top technocrat in the world, as far as I'm concerned. 
And give me a couple of for instances. Oh, well, <clears throat> um, of course, his grandfather was a head of technocracy and can't. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the common sense show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow for example they've got half off my pillow bed sheets more than half off their slippers their sandals their mattresses their topper covers women's lingerie now, they have extremely great products as you all know Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Canada, during the 30s and 40s, Okay, uh, he grew up in a home that was uh, steeped in technocracy. They never uh, repudiated it, ever. And, uh, you know, you look at it today and you say, well... Um, you know, has Musk done things in line with technocracy over the years? Yes, he has. He's abused government along the way to get to get government to do his will to become the greatest uh, or the richest man in the world today. That's pretty good. Um, <clears throat> you see him talking about transhumanism and, and planting brain chips and things yes. like that in your brain. That's, right. That's pure technocracy. Uh, you see him uh, uh, like at uh, uh, Tesla, for instance. This is really funny. 
you know, he's the CEO of Tesla, right? That's on record. But he submitted a filing to the SEC, who I said before he hates, <laughs> and he really does. He has a new title at uh, at Tesla. He he calls himself Technocking. T E C H. No, no, I no, no. You've got to be kidding. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> he's, he's he's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? He's the Technocking of Tesla. <laughs> it just you can't make this up. Um, you know, the other thing is he's a space pioneer, he thinks. You know, he wants to go to Mars. He says the only future of man is uh, to flee the planet and that we need to, we need to become multiplanetary and go find other planets to live on. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, good luck with that one. Duh. But, you know, probably probably the most disturbing thing, just personally as I look at him, is his strange relationship with this singer, this techno-punk pop rave musician and singer, by the name of Grimes, and uh, this, she ha- he has two children with Grimes now. He's not married to her, but she's a self-proclaimed um, witch, pagan witch. And I mean, she's weird. She is so strange to you and me. Strange, maybe not to anybody else who's a pagan witch. But uh, Musk is has this curious love relationship. It's an open relationship. They don't live with each other, but they're best friends and lovers. They have two children together now. One of them uh, is named the, the the girl that was just born to a surrogate through a surrogate in December of last year. Her name is Exadark Sidriel. They simply call her Y for short. And the little boy that was born a couple years ago, his name is X-A-E-A-X-I-I, or X for short. THX-1138, is that what I'm hearing? Ah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, Um, But here he is, you know, here he is spending spending his life, you know, kind of modern life with this, and... And she says, uh, she's a a big star on Instagram, uh, as you might imagine. She says, I spend two to four hours in my deprivation tank. This allows me to astroglide to other dimensions, past, present, and future. There's some deprivation here, but I don't think it's a result of the tank. I know. This is Uh, Musk's soulmate. mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I just, my mind snaps when I put all that together in the same picture. <laughs> does not make sense. Pat, you mentioned something earlier, kind of in passing, and I want to go back and revisit. Um, these people are, are, are in, well, let's put it this way, down to the DAs and even the county clerk and recorders and all these people in local office, they serve the needs of the technocrats. And, and, and the, the, when I did the work on the election fraud and so forth, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how complete the penetration was even to the lowest of political elected offices. Yeah. It's either China, George Soros, but it all comes back to technocracy in one form or another. And so my question is, what are they going to do with all these uh, SS um, brown shirts that serve them uh, when they have fully established their technocratic world, well, they're going to get thrown under the bus too. Is my guess they're they're you know they're they don't know that at this point. They're kind of the useful idiots. But there will I I think there will be a mass exodus of these local people who have bought into this complicity, mostly for money, sometimes just for power. 
But they're not the real big players that you find at the World Economic Forum. These are just the wannabes. These are just mm-hmm. the, the tag-alongs, eating the crumbs off the table. Sure. And I think there will be a lot of people that just say, whoa, I'm out of here. You know, I'm not doing this anymore. But what it's going to take is a rejection, either on a local basis by normal citizens, or it's going to take a rejection at the top. But uh, once, you know, well, it's like this judge that um, in Florida that just removed, that just said the mask mandate was illegal and unconstitutional. How long did it take for all the airlines to rip the mask off of people? Well, about 20 minutes, actually. Uh, one pilot even came on in midair and said that uh, that the mask mandate's been struck down. All you people back there, take off your mask. And they all ripped them off their face and cheered. There was just this probably shook the whole airplane as it was flying along. Everybody was cheering with their face mask off and people were taking, you know, snapshots and stuff of them with their phones. It is a glorious thing. Well, you know, that that one action snapped reality into a lot of people's minds that they were scared to death the minute before. They're scared to death. They're maybe they're angry. They're wearing a mask. They don't want to really wear a mask, but they do it because. Well, who knows what, you know, and the Karens of the flight were probably, you know, chewing other people out. And then the pilot comes on and says, no more masks, take them off. And everybody takes them off and cheers. There were some Karens in that group that were cheering, too. I can guarantee you. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I look at this, too. I saw I saw some interviews on the news this morning about this. And a couple of those elderly couples said, well, we've had our vaccinations and we trust the masks and we're going to maintain wearing masks when we fly. You know what? I don't have a problem with that. That's their individual right to do that. Absolutely. I don't agree with it scientifically. In fact, it's contraindicated, but, yeah. but, but it's their right to do it. And I hope no one picks on them for that. But Absolutely. it's interesting. This is a big step backwards for this administration. It is. It is. It's huge. You know, but, uh, this, we talked about this before. I remember we talked about the concept of a black swan event. And that was a book once upon a time. You know, Black Swan is a like an act of God. Something happens out of the blue. Nobody's expecting it. It has horrible effects on the world. Uh, it'd be like a, you know, like a big volcano blowing up in the, you know, middle of the country or something and just messing everything up. It's a Black Swan event. If you say there's a Black Swan event, you have to say you have to give possibility to a to a White Swan event, which would be just the opposite. Mm-hmm. This is the White Swan event. It wasn't planned. Nobody expected it. And all of a sudden it hit, and it had dramatic influence immediately. Well, there's um, also the yin and the yang. I, I, I was also reading, too, that uh, Biden, he won't, but his people are sponsoring a conference uh, globally now on how to increase vaccination rates. They're not giving yes. up. No, they're not. And it's going to take more than just this, but, it puts again, it puts the wind at our back right now. And the rest of the world needs to pick up on it and really, you know, really drive it home. In fact, there was an interesting lawsuit that, that was just formed immediately after this. They must have been waiting in the wings. I don't know if I could pull it up here quick enough, but um, <clears throat> yeah, here it is. 309 pilots and flight attendees asked the Court of Appeals to declare TSA's mask rule illegal. The point of this lawsuit is to make sure it never happens again. And this is beautiful. This is the follow-up lawsuit to the first one. Say, while we got them on the run, let's just tamp the powder down or the whatever, the shot down with the, the, the rod and make sure that the cannon is loaded in case they ever try this again. They're, you know, they won't be able to do it. 
If we're a nation of laws. If we're a nation of laws, which we know technocrats despise the law, the rule of law. Their law is what they say it is in the moment they say it. No, it isn't. It isn't. They they just think that they can invent policy as they go. I mean, I love how they fly to Davos on their private jets and then lecture us about energy use. I know it, it really gets old. I, I, you know, everybody sees through that on one hand, but for some reason, the, the climate alarmist, you know, they say, "Well, we got to have leaders, and they got to get from here to there." So, you know, why not use an airplane? Well, how about this? How about they all take a bus to New York City, and then they all fly over in the same plane? <laughs> there you go. They'll probably all be wearing masks. Um, but they, uh, when we look at at, at their climate change policies which is in my mind the main end result driver for technocracy um where's the data oh, there's they're just saying we're doing climate change like okay you're just supposed to shut up shut up sit down and take it where's the data yeah there's no there there's no real data that's the problem the data's just been manufactured I don't even think they're going that far. You remember East Anglia University in 2008 and all that fraud on climate change and global warming and crap? Okay, they they tried to fraudulate data at that point in time, but now they don't even give you data. They just say, climate change, shut up and sit down. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and what is it about us that we're not challenging? See, I've made this point in my broadcast. Okay, you're telling me climate change. Please explain to me what I'm agreeing to. (laughs) Exactly. Well, people people have lost the difference between real science and pseudoscience. Technocracy and transhumanism both specialize in pseudoscience, whereas the rest of the world practices real science. That is, uh, you know, experimentation, observation, etc., open debate. Pseudoscience is none of that. Pseudoscience merely declares what it wants to do in the first place, blames it on science, and then says you have to follow what science says. This is not science at all. It's not real science at all. But they've successfully blurred the distinction, so most people can't tell the difference. Interesting. Well, I I guess it really bothers me, maybe because I taught research and stat at a fairly high level. It, it 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 really runs through my mind, but I'm shocked that more people aren't saying, well, before we agree to anything, before I pay one dime of tax to your initiatives, I need to see the data. I need to see what your hypothesis was, how you did your research, okay, what your level of significance is in the research, and, and, and what the scientific-based conclusion is and how practical is it to implement. But that's we're not seeing anything like this. It's just like climate change, climate change, climate change, and and I'm not even hearing anything. Oh, carbon footprint. Okay, does that mean you can't fart when you walk down the street? And I'm not being gross. I'm just saying this is how ridiculous it's become. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, it is. And you know the, uh, the 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 pseudoscience has spilled over into the entire COVID debacle, as you know. It's been around in the global warming crowd for a long time, but it spilled over directly into the whole COVID. That's because the same people did the the pandemic that did the climate alarmism. Same universities, same crack computer models. Um, 
and they just started doing it on in this area rather than you know climate change because climate change or global warming is running out of steam when COVID came along. So they just said, hey, let's just just move our whole operation over on the pandemic, and we'll ride that for a while. But they're doing all the same stuff again. They're just it, it's phony, phony stuff. Pat, phony I've done science. I've done some research on on the economy and economic trends, and what I've discovered is, for example. Uh, the social class you're born into, over 90% of the time, you'll die in that social class. The social mobility is possible, but it's limited. With technocracy, what will that do to any type of uh, upward social mobility? Destroy it. Literally. It'll just destroy it. That, that, was, the, that was the entire premise of historic technocracy, was to make make the world itself classless except for the few technocrats running the whole show mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you re- in fact if you read the book uh, and I'm, I, mean, I know you have but if your readers haven't read the book Brave New World by Aldous yeah. Huxley right it was produced in 1932 at this in the same year when technocracy was at Columbia University in New York City he was looking straight into the face of it when he penned the book he said this would make a great story <laughs> well if you read Brave New World, You'll, you'll find immediately that there's no political structure whatsoever. You have babies being engineered and born in incubators. You have them being genetically engineered to be either smart or stupid, depending on the work that they're going to get assigned to. You have the alphas, the betas, the, the deltas, the gammas, and so on, right? And they were all engineered to be happy, regardless of their station in life. That they every, And if you weren't happy, if you got stressed, whatever... They had this drug called Soma that everybody would just take a pill or two, and they, oh, it's so happy now, and everybody was happy. This this kind of makes you think about what Klaus Schwab says: you yeah, own yeah. nothing and be happy. Yeah, yeah, Very well, you, you'll be uh, you own nothing and you'll take Soma. That's right. So you know, <laughs> you look back to Brave New World and you say, okay, if this is a picture of technocracy, that's pretty much that that's really the case today. There's going to be no political structure in the end, and you will do what they say. But they destroyed, if you remember, they destroyed all family structure. Everybody owned everybody else. So you, if you fell in love, you were going to be in big trouble. You couldn't get married. There was no such thing. And everybody was free to have sex with everybody else. And there was no babies born except in an incubator. And that was a wonderful life, they said. Well... You know, think about that today. Is that what you want? I mean, is this the future that people want today? Well, this is clearly what's happening. And and the reason that book is prescient in my mind is because he was indeed looking at the technocracy when he wrote the book. So, you know, it wasn't gross speculation, just science fiction like some other books were uh, back in that day. But he was deadly. He was deadly serious. And, of course, we know the Huxley brothers, by the way, were no friend of mankind in general. It was uh, Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley, a Brit also, who founded UNESCO and was principal at the United Nations from day one. <laughs> it's like, okay, I get it. Um, this has been this ideology has been kicking around for such a long time. And people just don't get it. The story's too big for people to wrap their head around, I'm, I'm afraid. Um. You know, in the movie Superman came out in 2013, mm-hmm. they promoted uh, Superman on the planet Krypton as the last 
live birth. And generals on the, one of the evil ones was saying, I was programmed to be a warrior, blah, blah, blah. Your son needs to accept his programming. And my reaction, Pat, to that sequence was, my gosh, it's out in the open what they want to do. Maybe this will spur some discussion in our society. Mm-hmm. And it's like it just went over everyone's head. Yes, it did. <laughs> it went right over their head. It was just good entertainment. You know, that's all it was, just entertainment. So it couldn't be real. It's just entertainment. You know, I'm going to sound horribly judgmental and arrogant when I say this, and I want to try to be as fact-based because I'm not setting myself up in comparison to people who are lesser in some areas to say, gee, I should feel good about myself. I'm not doing that. But, you know, when I look at data, we used to have a collective IQ in this country of about 106, and that was in the late 50s, early 60s. Today, our collective IQ is 98, and 100 is average. The margin of error is three to four points, but we've gone from being above average and number one in the world to being 34th. And and I look at the work that you and I both do independently of each other, and we're all trying to educate the masses so collectively we can rise up and restore some semblance of uh, Judaic Christian order that this country was founded on. And unfortunately, I think we're playing to an audience to a large extent, can't think, can't process, will never critically analyze the issues. They don't live beyond Friday. They dress like slobs. They they cuss like drunken sailors. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, if you want proof of that, just walk into your DMV and sit there for an hour. Now, I know that sounds arrogant, but all the data that I'm looking at, Pat, reinforces what I'm saying. Yes. yes We're becoming a third-world crude nation. What, what is it? 40% of our population doesn't even have $1,000. Yep. That's right. This has been the the ultimate dumbing down of society. Many people have talked about it. Uh, it's, it's education has been critical to this uh, this dumbing down for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's evident today. Uh, it doesn't mean that people can't think. It just means they've been kept in the dark so long that they don't know. You know, they're not used to thinking. Um, I think that's. I think that can be changed. I see. A, I hear from a lot of people who have woken up in the last year to what's going on. And they're they're starting to engage their brains. And I think, for instance, the angry mama bears that are starting to get involved in education, they finally realized it. They, man, while well, they were sleeping, doing nothing, ignoring the schools all those years, the schools got taken over by a, a group of people that when they found out what they were doing, said, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought you were doing. And so they got they got woken up to the reality of it, and they went and started fighting against it. Well, that, there's a good example of people waking up. And that saying, is a good hey, example. That's the best one we have right now. Yes. And that appeals to the mother's instinct, which uh, crosses all lines. But, you know, the mothers that are protesting, I've noticed this, too. You notice they're not doing it in South Central L.A. They're not protesting there. They're protesting in affluent areas like Loudoun County, Virginia. So even then, your protesters are are of a more affluent, educated nature. And and most of the country is accepting the fact it's okay that you can teach a five-year-old about oral and anal sex and have drag queens come in and educate them rather than learning the tenets of education. Yes. Yes. You're absolutely right. I think that's a good observation. Uh, I'm so glad it's happening. But uh, there is some, there is more spillover coming into some of the uh, some of the other communities in the world, and and again, this is partly kind of like the demasking uh, order that the judge put out a few days ago, 
that it was all constitutional legal. <clears throat> when other people see pushback on L- on this whole LGBTQ X Y Z, you know, push across the planet, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> when they when they see other people saying it. A lot of those people that are right now into that are going to say, wait a minute, I never thought about this. You know, there was a doctor who came out the other day, just a woman doctor who has made her practice to transition trans one way or another, male, female, whatever. And she made her life doing that, and she probably made a lot of money doing it, too. She came out the other day and said, it's gone too far. Imagine. Somebody who's dedicated, whose life is in it, said it's gone too far, and now it's damaging more children than it's helping. It's okay. Well, uh, that's not a perfect, you know, solution yeah. or response, but it points out that people can and do change their minds, and they see dangers when it's stretched to its extreme. Yeah, and that's logic coming out the backside, uh, yeah. literally. But I would say this too. You're, you're talking to a trained therapist, and when I came through my training, we trained on the manual DSM-4, Diagnostic Statistical Manual 4, Revised Edition. And now they're in DSM, I believe, 5R, Revised. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, and before I was done with all my training, we had gotten into DSM-5. And what they had was a disorder that they call gender identity disorder. It's not that you don't have the right to transition to a different sex, but there are clearly, for the vast majority, accompanying very serious psychologically disabling issues that need to be addressed. And it would have been unethical. In fact, the main sex change therapist, uh, our doctor, was in Trinidad, Colorado. And he used to say, we won't do this surgery unless we have a full comprehensive psychological workup so the person knows their options. We can look at their ability. Are they fit enough to make this decision? Now we've got teachers in public schools (laughs) telling them, you know, you're really not a boy or a girl. You need to rethink that. And this is before they're even in puberty, so they don't have a baseline to even judge. Oh, they don't. They don't. It just makes me sick to my stomach, and (laughs) I just want to go smack these teachers upside the head. I used to be one of them, and and it's so disgusting what they're doing. Like I said, the Bible's very clear on this, millstone around your neck, and that's what's waiting for a lot of these people when they meet their maker. But I want to get into... um, uh, another area, and and um, that's the idea of the digital currency. And and yeah. there's good news and bad news. The bad news is we live in a country where Demented Joe is going to bring us uh, uh, digital ID, social credit, and and digital currency, which I want you to talk about. The good news is. I've learned that almost all of, not all of Latin America, a lot of Africa, India, and China, they're not going along with this. You know, they're doing the Russian gold-based currency. They're not digitizing us. So I'm actually looking at moving some of my assets, and I'm not a rich man, but moving some of my assets to uh, stable economies that aren't embracing digital because they will do to us one day what Trudeau did to Canada. I don't like your political views, therefore I'm stealing your bank account. Yep. Can, can you address some of these issues? Well, I can. I, I did this just in an earlier interview today. As a matter of fact, a topic came up on digital currencies. And, of course, we know that the central banks now all around the world are uh, working on creating a compatible system for digital currencies to interoperate between the central banks the Bank for International Settlements is uh, at the top of the direction of this whole thing, I believe. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, <clears throat> but 
the whole concept of digital currency goes way beyond just digital currency. It's based based on blockchain, like like Bitcoin and like Ethereum. Blockchain is a technology that is, is just oblique for most people to understand it. It is really difficult to get a handle on what blockchain technology is. But uh, the implication of digital currency uh, needs to be expanded to include all assets on the planet, uh, on the face of the planet. When I say assets, I'm talking about real estate. I'm talking about, you know, hard assets, tangible assets. All of those things can be embedded within a blockchain system to provide a permanent record of what has happened to those assets. And so if you own a house, your title may well be based on blockchain. It may be in the blockchain. It may be on a permanent record stored. If you sell it, then another blockchain record will be uh, will be entered into the blockchain, if you will. But these blockchains are intended to be uh, stored on a central computer. That's This is the whole twist. It's not decentralized anymore. They're intending to put it on one master computer or several that can interoperate with each other, where every asset in the world, including currency and where it goes and who holds it, can be tracked and recorded to give total ubiquitous view of everybody's activity, ownership, snapshot, Polaroid, where they are, snapshot where they are today, for the sake of control, because whoever controls the data controls the people the, the behind it. And so just the concept of digital currency isn't big enough to understand what it means. Ultimately, it's going to mean total control over every conceivable asset that mankind can own. And that means, depending on who has control of that data, that means that they will control the object of the the object of, of the data where it mm-hmm. came from. Yep, that's that simple. Scientific dictatorship from the top down. Um, you won't eat, have heat. I remember the story you told me on the air a few years ago about the Chinese lady that put something disparaging about the CCP on the internet and the men in black visited her and she thought she was okay until she discovered she had lost her job, couldn't go to college, couldn't travel on public transportation, couldn't rent her apartment. Um, that That's what this is going to bring to America, isn't it? It is. It's bringing it to the whole planet. Unfortunately, you're absolutely right. Now, I, I I wonder where that woman is today. I, I'd like to know. Yeah, I would if she too. got out of the country or she's still there and she knuckled under or whatever. She's probably still a bad girl. Uh, well, in the Pat, eyes of I, I got to tell you, I don't think it's the whole world with digital yet. I'm not saying they won't overcome, but a lot of the world is lining up with gold-based currency right now. They don't want digital for the reasons we're talking about. Well, it, it may. I, I see some some glimmer that some people are starting to say now, well, even a digital currency needs to have a touchstone. There needs to be something behind it. The United Nations would say, why not just use the natural assets of the world and just digitize those? Other people are saying, well, energy could be a touch a touchstone. Other people are saying gold could be a, a precious metals could be a touchstone. So that there's some natural limit to the creation of digital currency, you know, with some kind of gold backing, even not you couldn't get your hands on it, but it would be it would have some element of gold attached to it. It has to. That, or they're that not going to be, be able to. Listen, I know for a fact that Mexico and Brazil met with Putin before the Ukraine war to mm-hmm. talk about precious metal backed currencies. And Mexico's interested in silver because they're going to be a leader in it by 2030. And, and Brazil is looking just to stay afloat. So they're looking at uh, compiling gold reserves. And that was their motivation. But I found out from that 
that all of Latin America, except El Salvador, and I think they're going to fall into it because they're failing as an economy, they're they're all going to go with Russia and gold-backed. It's not that they mm-hmm. like Russia. It's that they don't want digital. I almost see this as an alliance of which a third world war could be fought. Well, yeah, maybe maybe fighting that right now, too. The, that's <laughs> but, a lot of people say. That's yeah. what Ukraine's about, digital versus gold. Yeah, it could be. But uh, but again, I would caution. The only caution I'd have against that is that does not uh, that does not rule out the use of blockchain to con- to monitor all the transactions in the world. They will still there will still be transactions and they still will be monitored hmm. and they still would be flashed to a central authority like central bank or maybe even the bank for international settlements for analysis and control or tracking. But the end of it is that that they the institution or the man or whatever you want to call it the machine will know everything about you and probably more than you even know about yourself. And they will use that data to make decisions about you, your life, and where your, where your life should be headed. And they will force you into behavior that you probably won't like, but you won't have any choice at that point, because if, especially if digital currency becomes programmable, as China has done, by the way, they have programmable, I don't know how they're doing it, but it's blocked, based on blockchain, they know where every single, uh, unit of currency is in their nation right now because that's that's digital at least they know what where it exists they know everybody's wallet where where it exists where it is and how much by serial number and if they want to program you out of buying a certain asset or something like if they say well dave hodges is not allowed to buy a house you go to a real estate broker title company and try to buy a house and they say i'm sorry i know you got a million dollars in the bank but you there's the programming block on your money you can't spend it here and you go what (laughs) It's my money. Yeah, but, you know, you, uh, the, the government has put a block on that currency. You can't spend it here with us. That's Welcome, programmable yeah. money. Welcome to the that's world gonna, of Justin that's Trudeau. Transcend. That, will, that concept will completely transcend whether it's gold-backed or not. Yeah, so, but I still see Russia separating from this and their, and their followers. Here's what I mean. They, mm-hmm. they differentiated themselves from the SWIFT system. They got out of that. They have their own Internet system now. I see them as as saying, to heck with Klaus Schwab, we're not doing this. Uh, I'm not uh, saying they're going to be successful, but isn't that a move in the direction that I'm indicating? I hope it would be. I would hope I would hope it would be. And I will say one thing about Putin, and I'm not I'm not getting all pro-Russia or pro-Putin on this. Don't get me wrong. But <clears throat> Putin was the first guy that recognized publicly. This is a couple of years ago. He recognized publicly that the technocrats were coming for his job. And he said, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Now, we've talked about the antipathy between political structures and technocrats. Putin, if anybody, is an expert on sensing people coming after his job. (laughs) He's had experience at this. He's got a nose for it. And when he sees somebody coming after his job, he gets mean-spirited really quick to head it off. There may be some of this at play here where he said, you guys are not going to take my job away from me and my government away from me. Uh, but maybe he had even extra megalomaniac desire said, well, I'm just going to I'm going to be in charge of whatever's going to happen here. Not you. Yeah, who knows? But the other national governments of the world never, ever picked up on this desire of technocracy to do away with government structure and, and government leaders as we know it today. Putin picked up on that early on. 
and he was very blunt. I don't think anybody probably but me really picked up on the importance of what he said back then. But I think he really got it. I think he, you know, really saw it. I did. I was encouraged when Trump was elected. I thought we would have a Russia America alliance against the globalists and what they're trying to do. But then they started the Russian collusion delusion. And I've always maintained one of the benefits of that for the left was to keep Putin and Trump apart. Yes. Yes. I I would, I would, I think that's probably a, a, you know, a good analysis. Uh, but I don't think this is over. And the, see, Putin was trained by Klaus Schwab, and he rejected it. And then Klaus Schwab erased him from the World Economic Forum. But I've seen the hard copy pages of where Putin was being promoted by Schwab. Um, and it, he referred to him a lot like he did in terms of Justin Trudeau, where Putin's autocratic, doesn't put up with uh, dissenting media or, or, or political opposition. These people meet an untimely end. And Klaus Schwab loves that stuff. Mm-hmm. But but now Putin is he right. He saw what was coming, and he says, we're not doing that. And I think he's trying to resurrect the Soviet empire as a defensive move against this. And he just so happens, I'm, I'm telling you, the nations that are going to go to Putin on gold-backed versus digital, in my humble opinion, are going to far outnumber. I think it's going to be Australia, New Zealand, the Western democracies in Europe, or I should say ex-democracies, Canada and the U.S., and that's it. Mm-hmm. I think the rest of the world is going to move. Look at Saudi Arabia is talking about an oil deal with China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So you know, this is how I see. I, this is this is how world wars start. This reminds yeah. me of World War One and those entangling alliances started forming, and and there may not be an assassination of an archduke, but Ukraine could spread, and that could serve the same purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could. It's crazy yeah. how, how short-sighted these political leaders are. I just think of, of, of demented people like Nancy Pelosi, drunk 24-7 pretty much. The stories of the Secret Service driving her home are legendary. But I look at her, and I look at Schumer and McConnell and the sellouts to yeah. America, and I'm saying, these people have no place for you. You're taking their money today, and they will take your life tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. They're stupid. They're yeah. absolutely stupid. They're working for their own demise. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and we, we certainly can't look to the national government to be our savior these days. Uh, I've maintained for a long time that <clears throat> what, if people want to do something to push back on this, get involved in your local community and start making changes there and put a firewall against this garbage around your uh, where, where it is you live, actually, or your county or your city. I agree with that, yeah. You can do hunt, tons of stuff to push back on this. Well, yeah. you're involved in a movement that's kind of going across the country right now. Do you want to talk about that? Well, certainly. I, I started Citizens for Free Speech as a nonprofit back in 2018 when I saw Twitter and Facebook colluding to cancel people. I said, this, this is it. Now, this, the, you know, the, the end is finally in near. There's master collusion going on between these big tech companies. And of course, it's legendary now. Everybody knows about it now. But when COVID hit, our membership at Citizens for Free Speech just went ballistic. And we're we're pushing now. Uh, we're pushing up against fifty thousand members nationwide. Oh my now. gosh! And it's going to continue to grow. I keep telling our volunteers, "Look, guys, we need to go big or go home." We're, we, you know, Americans need to stand up, take responsibility for their own lives, <clears throat> and start speaking out and exercising the free speech that our founding fathers guaranteed to us as unalienable rights. We've been silent way too long. We've learned. We've forgotten how to communicate in many cases. But uh, we're providing tools at Citizens for Free Speech for people to re-engage at the local level 
uh, we've got, you know, to, to promote good policies that will protect their communities instead of destroy them. And we've got training programs. We've got a private social network where, where we're allowing people to interact with each other, to get teams going in local communities across the country. We've got uh, a, a legislative action center where we're monitoring all 50 states now for legislation um, that may damage or promote free speech in the First Amendment. Um, so people can get behind that or at least be alerted to what's coming to the local community. Uh, we've got a whole range of things that we're, we're able to offer our members now to promote them into their own local communities to get busy. And as our director of Na- uh, national training, Mary Baker, says, if you don't have a seat at the table, you are what's for dinner tonight. <laughs> I love that's a great saying. Of all, It is. It's disturbing it's as heck. This is fantastic. We, we need to do more work on this here on the Common Sense Show, exposing the good work you're doing and how it's going to counterman. But let me tell you what I learned. I'm so thankful I immersed myself in voter fraud here in Arizona in the Maricopa County election audit, which became the fraud. And because what I learned, Pat, was this. Beyond the election fraud, which is easy to prove, I found how controlled down to the county clerk and recorder you know, and then, of course, Secretary of State, Governor, uh, Board of Supervisors, that that would be for a county. And I look at all these people at the local level. They're controlled by the same interest that stole the election. And it's the same in Fulton County, as I talked to my colleagues there. It's the same in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. So how do you and your organization, and we got about a minute left on this, how do we combat that since the penetration seems to be nearly complete politically? Well, you know, there's 22 cities in Maricopa County representing, what, 4.5 million people, 4.2 million people, something Mm -hmm. like that. The city government, the city structure supersedes county policies and county structure almost in every case. Now, there's some arguable in, in court for sure, but the 22 cities that have had sovereignty stripped away from them by the county, by regional organizations like the Maricopa Association of Governments, they could reassert their sovereignty any time they choose to. They could, if they knew they could, if they would, if the people in those cities would tell them, look, we're tired of this. Okay, I We got demand it. that you take over again and you do what's right for the people of our city. And here's where your organization comes in. Okay, we just got about uh, yeah. 30 seconds left, but I wanted you to, you're speaking around the country right now for a movement, too. Can you address yes. that very quickly? Nine cities in nine weeks starting this week, this Saturday, in Fort Myer, uh, Florida. We're going all over the country. CrimesAgainstHumanityTour.com is the website. Mm-hmm. Tickets are available. It's a one-day conference with myself, Dr. Judy Mikovitz. Dr. Richard Fleming, and Dr. Reiner Fulmisch from Germany. Okay. Crimes Against Humanity. Give that to me again. CrimesAgainstHumanityTour.com. Okay. And when we publish this interview, people, we will have this on our website at thecommonsenseshow.com. We'll have a link to everything so where you can see where the venue is nearest to you and you can go attend. And I totally agree. And then we'll promote the, the, the citizens group as well, too, for free speech. Pat, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Excellent job. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Dave. You too. We will meet somewhere in the future. We and we'll have a will. good conversation. Absolutely. See you later, Pat. Yep.